Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse Fritz. If you are new here, I'm so happy to have you on the show, and I hope that you enjoy all of these episodes. Today's episode is with Christopher Blakesley. So Christopher is a functional medicine coach, but more importantly, he is someone that deals with chronic illness. So today he tells us all all about his story, which I'm telling you is one of the craziest stories that I've ever heard of extreme, extreme pain. And I was just totally, totally enthralled the entire time listening to him and the things that he went through and how he was able to come out of it and what he's doing with his life now. And I just know that y'all are going to love this episode so much. He was super wonderful to have on and I can't wait for y'all to listen. So if you are new here, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite networks, Apple, um, Spotify, Stitcher, whichever you would like. We're on all of them. You can also always listen to the podcast on my website, which is jessiefritz.com. And finally, if you haven't already, make sure you leave a review. Every time you leave a review for the podcast, it helps us grow and it helps us get into the ears of more people out there who are dealing with chronic illness. So without further ado, let's jump into Christopher's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. I'm so excited to be back today, and I have my first guest of 2021, Christopher Blakesley. Welcome to the show. Ah, Thanks, Jesse. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited. I got a new mic. We're ready to go. (laughs) It's going to be a great conversation, but why don't we just kind of dive right in, and why don't you tell people a little bit about who you are, and then we can dive into your story. Okay, um, I'm 40 years old. Uh, I've had autoimmune diseases for 34 years, and they got really severe, and I was disabled by them for 15 years until last year. Mm -hmm. But now I'm perfectly healthy. I just have a little bit of pain left that continues to dwindle. And I use that as sort of a launch point to become an ADAPT certified functional health coach and health consultant. And I'm also writing a book with former Mayo Clinic Dr. Jim Lemons about how to manage and reverse chronic health problems. Yeah. So, you know, just a couple of things, <laughs> nothing crazy. <laughs> you're, you're doing some really cool things. So can we dive in a little bit to your story with chronic illness, what that was like for you? And I know that you're feeling better now, but seems like you dealt with it for a really long time. So if you want to tell us yeah. that story, people love hearing and being able to connect with other people and their story. So go ahead. Absolutely. Um, it's been a lifelong thing for me pretty much. Uh, I actually recorded a couple of videos there on my website. Uh, that's balancehealthcoach.com. It's B-A-L-A-N-C-E healthcoach.com where mm-hmm. I talk about just what all I've been through because I started out with some urinary symptoms when I was about six years old and some headaches and it just came with stressful times and could, didn't really know what to do about it. My parents got me into the doctor cycle of just generally going and seeing whoever we could to try and get some help with it. Nobody could really figure out what it was. And it came and went quite a bit throughout my life. And then I developed irritable bowel syndrome and exercise induced asthma when I was 10. And that really started to bring me down quite Mm -hmm. a bit. And eventually it started transition until when I was 16 is whenever it became chronic. The IC was just always there at that point. And so was the IBS. And just generally felt crummy, barely made it through school. And uh, yeah, pretty much real difficult situation there. Mm -hmm. 
Did it, so, and then it continued throughout your adult life too, or did Absolutely. more things kind of pile on? I feel like sometimes it becomes this snowball effect, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because like, uh, if you know anything about autoimmune diseases, it seems like if it goes unchecked, it just keeps spiraling up and just more and more conditions develop. And that's what happened with me. I'm pretty sure that I developed fibromyalgia when I was about 20, but I didn't get diagnosed until I was about 24, just oh, wow. general sorts of muscle aches, that sort of thing. And I'd pretty much just learned at that point, because I'd been through every doctor that I could find. My parents took me all over the place that uh, I just had to grit my teeth through things and try yeah. and push through just to function. And I barely made it through college. And about one year after college was over, that's whenever everything came crashing down on me. And the IC pain just exploded whenever I was doing some weight training and doing what was considered a healthy diet. And that actually was inflaming me quite a lot. And I didn't really realize it. What's and IC the, again? Sorry. What, what oh, is that it's interstitial cystitis. It's okay. inflammation of the bladder. And in my case, the lining wasn't there. It looked all bloody and the mm, yeah. bad stuff. Yeah. Got it. So sorry, keep going. I interrupt. I interrupted you. as. Oh, no problem. <clears throat> uh, but it just, it kept getting worse. The pain, it, whenever I was about 24 is whenever I finally was like, I can't push through this anymore. And I hadn't told anybody about it because I mean, I'm a guy, have a lot of shame around, Hey, my genitals burn. All right. <laughs> yeah. Stop. It's I think for anyone, right. That's a little awkward to talk about with people. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't tell people that that was going on with me at all. And everybody was shocked because it's like, wow, I was in really good shape. And I was doing all sorts of things. I was writing a novel at the time, which I put on the back. <laughs> but uh, just generally, things blew up on me at that point. The inflammation spread throughout my body to the point where it's like, okay, I can't exercise anymore. And I mm -hmm. became highly sedentary. And for a couple of years there, I just pursued like the interstitial cystitis treatments and the, the common medications, the pelvic floor therapy that sort of thing. And, uh, but it just kept getting worse. And I had these very strange symptoms where my nervous system was seemingly getting more and more overwhelmed by the pain I was in, because I mean, I've been in pain for so long that I didn't really realize how high it was that mm -hmm. I was barely able to think for it. So my body had been in a lot of pain even before I really shut down. So I became completely inert at that point where uh, my nervous system started responding to pain from all sorts of innocuous things like watching television or listening to music. It made wow. me feel like I was getting stuck by needles in my midsection Ooh. all over the place. So I kept retreating and I thought, well, if I can't improve my body anymore, I'm going to improve my mind. Mm. So I just sat around and read all the time. I was lying down, reading all sorts of things. And I started to read more and more about health as it went on because I thought, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying. It's like all these, it sounds like there's all these one cure all sorts of things out there, but none of them are really working for me. So I kept studying that. And unfortunately the symptoms just got worse and worse. And uh, as I said, it went on for 15 years of just being completely homebound with my parents. And I wow. got into some pretty wild situations where I was down to the point where uh, I tried sensory isolation in my bedroom for, it was about nine months. Wow. It was most of that year uh, where I would just only go out of the room to go to the bathroom. And my mom would bring me 
uh, my two meals for the day and I just lie in there in silence and have wow. like a white noise machine on because I thought, well, since everything makes my pain worse and this keeps spiraling, maybe getting away from the stimulation will help. But well, now that I know about pain neuroscience, that's not how the nervous system works. <laughs> I got way more sensitive and my pain shot up to an even higher level. So yeah. it just got to where I was living in eight, nine pain all the time where uh, I was just sweating. Uh, I developed a really bad occipital and trigeminal neuralgia through my face because I was lying down in bed for all that time. What is that? I don't even know what that is. Okay. It's nerve irritation that comes mm -hmm. up. Uh, it starts at the occipital joint and then it spreads out in this sort of fork through the face and such. Oh. And uh, some of that was just some general nerve damage from the autoimmunity as well. But uh, that was really bad to deal with. Once that started, I quit bathing and I quit shaving because it just hurts so much to get in there that I would only take a shower. I tried to put it off one to two weeks at a time just because it was Ugh, it hurts yeah. so much. Yeah. Do you, so, I mean, like a lot of times I ask people, you know, what did you do for support during this time? But like, you couldn't be around anyone really. Yeah. I mean, for that year, whenever I was trying to isolate, it was really tough. I mean, I broke down and cried in there a couple times. Just, yeah. I saw my dog one day lie down up against the door and he used to lay up against me all the time. And I just saw him block the light. I was like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> yeah. stuck like this. But uh, my parents absolutely were the best. And I credit them so much for my recovery because I really got a 15 year lab experiment with myself to just keep trying things, pursue whatever I could. And they are so wonderful. We are so close now, yeah. just the whole process. And they were so integral throughout even the hardest parts of just talking through things. And, and even though it's really hard to understand what I went through, they empathize very well for me. So thank you, mumsies. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that I can't, like, I can't imagine going through that completely on your own. So that's really good that you had that support. So, so what did you do kind of after that sensory deprivation time? Okay. Well, uh, there, I, I came down with pneumonia <laughs> and things got really bad there where I was like, you know what? I've been so deprived for a while. I'm going to do the stuff that hurts me. I'm going to watch TV again. I'm going to play video games. I'm going to read and Unfortunately, I was in such a haze because I was on narcotics for almost 10 years there um, oh, wow. after I had a nerve stimulator implanted in my back to try and block the signals from my IC. Uh, I had that done because I thought, well, this might help. And when I had the trial done, that the narcotics ended up blocking my pain responses, not the device. So I didn't really realize it okayed the implant and then realized that thing made me worse, which I've since had out. Yeah. But, uh, the narcotics just generally, I stayed on those for about 10 years and I got into a bit of a fog where I got into symptom avoidance more than anything. So at about a three-year period there where I hadn't really tried a whole lot of stuff, where I was just sort of going through the motions and didn't really keep track of the days, but the pain just kept getting worse. So I realized that this was going in a bad direction, whereas just I could barely think at all anymore. Mm -hmm. And I went on an experimental neurosuppressant drug for interstitial cystitis and just to try and suppress autoimmunity. 
And at this point, I was so bad off, I was in so much pain that I'd lost about three inches of my height because wow. I would sit all day, hunched yeah, over hunched. and hunched forward. Yeah. And because I was trying to not move my muscles anymore, I would only walk to the bathroom and into the living room and that was it. And then I'd go back to bed. But my pain was so high that regularly during that three-year period, I was my wakeful periods were over 20 hours on average. And then wow. it got really bad there at the end and it was over 30 hours. And that was just crazy spinning around the clock, just nonstop. I couldn't get any sort of grounding. It was like, what day is this? How am I progressing? Yeah. So I went on that neurosuppressant drug, uh, sorry, immunosuppressant drug. And that was sort of like my Hail Mary. But mm-hmm. I, I felt like I, I was like, I'm in a bit of trouble here because I finally feel like this is the last option. Yeah. And I went on that and I got even worse. I, oh, no. after about two months of that, I started seeing a whole bunch of black spots one night, felt like I was going to black out. And then I just started shivering like crazy. And that went on for about 12 hours straight. So that was sort of my epiphany moment where everything I realized things got to change here because yeah. the medications I was on 15 at the time and they just yeah. weren't doing it for me. So I thought, and I can't move. My body can't do what it needs to to heal itself. So I really need to make some huge changes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't, I can't even imagine. I have had like goosebumps throughout your story. It's just like, <laughs> that's just so much and, and not really knowing what to do next. And like, like you said, thankfully you were quote unquote, thankfully you were given the space to kind of experiment with stuff, but at the same time, you know, we just want answers, like, especially when you're feeling that much pain. So, so yeah. What did you do from that point? How did you kind of start to, I don't know, is that where you started moving up? Yes, (laughs) definitely. So that was the turning point for me that about 10 years earlier, a friend had introduced me to some functional medicine principles and another one had to a paleo type diet. So Mm -hmm. And I thought I start. I actually had gotten a bit better there for about a one year period in there, where it was like, okay, we're trying to address all the root causes of what we think might what might be wrong here. And I started to improve some, but then I just absolutely hit a wall whenever I would try and exercise because my pain was oh never went below like a six. Mm-hmm. So I thought, how in the world do I start moving in a way that my body will tolerate? But so I went back to some of those principles again and thought there's also, there's got to be something I missed because one thing I held on to throughout all of it was it seemed like there was some kind of patterns. I couldn't really figure them out because it was just so many moving parts and I had so much wrong with me. I basically had symptoms of every autoimmune disease that was major at that point. Yeah. So I went back to those things and thought, you know what I haven't tried is to pull off some of these medications as well. So I just made myself stand up half the day, even though that was very painful at first. And I started walking just at a turtle's pace inside my parents' house, just walking really slow laps because I was only at about 150 steps a day, which is like six to 8,000 would be way better. Yeah. And so I pushed it up to about 2,000, 3,000 steps, just trying to get some movement. And I went back on uh, a paleo diet, this time with an autoimmune protocol focus so Mm -hmm. that I removed some extra foods there. And I also knew enough about the supplements and such that I designed a functional medicine type protocol for myself because 
I consumed, I counted it up, there were over 10,000 pages of stuff that I consumed over the, the course of my disability just on health because I would print it off and then I would read it. And that would yeah. be what I do throughout the day. <laughs> yeah. So I, I knew enough about my lab tests and such to try and put myself on some uh, supplements. And I knew I had the MTHFR uh, mm-hmm. gene pro- variant and I had APOE4. So I got myself on some folate and I started taking some supplements. I also tried to get outside again because I was so temperature sensitive that just a degree of change caused me a whole lot of discomfort and pain. Mm. So I would just push myself outdoors for like 10 minutes, even though the sun felt like it was just this horrible thing. Yeah. <laughs> stinging my body all over the place. Yeah. And uh, I experimented a little bit with deep breathing, but didn't really know how to make that work for me very well. Mm-hmm. And I pulled off about five of the medications within three months. And I was surprised I lost about 40 pounds in just that amount of time because I had gained, I think, over 100 pounds. I don't actually know how much I had. I just, I looked awful and I quit weighing because I thought there's no way I'm ever getting this weight off. I can't move. So I know that I was at 242 at one point. And I got all the way down to 144 while I was recovering, but I put 15 back on (laughs) good muscle. So yeah, Yeah. those were some of the things that started changing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you, did you ever see or work with a functional medicine person or did you kind of teach it, teach it yourself? No, yeah. uh, I did it myself really. And, mm-hmm. but really I did that approach for a while there. And after about seven months, I actually had my worst period of all, which shocked mm-hmm. me because I was getting better there. I managed to pull off my long acting narcotic because I was on both a short and a long acting then I went to try and go off of morphine and oh boy, <laughs> that was the worst thing I've ever been through because oh. I started to go off it. And so much of this was still the gritting my teeth principle mm-hmm. where I thought, all right, I don't know how to do this. So I'm just going to push through the pain and see what happens. But my pain just went up to such high levels. I was stuck at like, I was back to the eight, nine again, just mm-hmm. all the time. So I went back to the pain clinic and said, I'm not ready for this. And they said, oh, okay, uh, you don't have to go off this stuff anyway. And then a week later, they got an order that I had to be removed from it. Mm-hmm. So I was already in this panic mode of thinking, I can't get off this stuff. My pain's too high. So my stress was in an awful place and then went into the withdrawal from that. They tried putting me on something weaker, long acting again, which didn't really help, but man, my mind just went crazy during that period of time. I had a very difficult time keeping focused on what I needed to do. I just had outsized fears. And it was the first time where I really thought, am I going to survive this? It was Mm -hmm. so bad. Wow. But thankfully, a pelvic floor physical therapist that I'd seen a few months earlier had recommended that I go see a Dr. Jim Lemons at his clinic, the Lemon Center, and he is a behavioral psychologist who also is informed with pain neuroscience. And oh my goodness, that was what I needed all along. Whenever I went, I decided to go to his clinic, uh, I believe in October of 2017 is whenever I went there. Mm. And he has a six week program, which it, it sounded, I put it off for three weeks, no, three months, because I thought it sounds way beyond me yeah. because it was a six week program, five days a week, four hours per day. And I thought, wow. <laughs> you're like, I'm barely like moving. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Right. How the heck am I going to get out of the house 
kids, whatever. It's like, that's the hardest thing that I would have done in 14 years since I was in college. But I thought when I was in the morphine withdrawal and that went on for eight weeks of just being not myself, could barely put sentences together. I thought I have to go here and give this a try. Mm -hmm. And his program was amazing. Just uh, on the second day, really, I started to notice some differences because what he does in that program is yeah, it's in a group format where they discuss the first hours, just discussing what it's like to have chronic pain and seeing that, hey, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. And then there's two hours of physical therapy in the program, which are split up one hour. And then there's a class in between where he teaches behavioral principles and some things about pain neuroscience to help uh, manage things. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and the physical therapy was unlike anything I'd ever been through because I'd been through six courses of physical therapists and it never really worked out for me. Everything flared me up. And that pelvic floor therapist told me, she said, is you're one of the most sensitive people I've ever seen. I just touch you and you hurt for several days afterwards. And he's had some success with some strange things like this. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, his uh, physical therapist so, showed me some interesting movements like nerve glides where I just move my hand out and bring it back. And the principles behind that and how they retune the nervous system started changing and lowering my pain responses. Wow. That's crazy. And so I'm very interested in this program. So did you, you had to like go into the office and stuff like right. that? Was it near where you lived or did you have to Thankfully. travel? Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> it was seven minutes away. And I, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I wish someone had referred him, me to him so many years ago, because that was, as soon as I went there, my healing escalated to such a tremendous rate. I started getting better. I could notice by the end of the six week program, I'd already regained all my height back because oh, wow. uh, they got me back on a horizontal and vertical bolster doing some Tai Chi and things. And just generally the principles taught there where are that million dollar question of what do you do when everything hurts? How do you get better through that? Yeah. And uh, they do an excellent job of illustrating those principles there. Yeah. That sounds like just like, like a miracle for you really to have found that and to, to be able to do that because it it doesn't sound like there was, you, you had anywhere else to go at that point. Right. Right. I really did feel like, I don't know where I'm going to turn after this. So Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate that I'm at Dr. Lemons. And, uh, as we continued to work together, uh, we saw that, hey, I'm getting better at a, in a way that his other clients haven't. Mm-hmm. And we came to realize it's because we're, I'm putting all these things together it was lifestyle changes was the big thing at first, mm-hmm. along with just working on my mindset, because, man, you can, your mind starts telling you some very negative things whenever uh, you're stuck and have had just Oh, a couple of decades of failure with this. It's like, how is anything going to get better? So mm-hmm. I had to learn a lot of positive psychology techniques to just try and re-geared myself toward life and toward values. But boy, oh boy, am I glad that I'm better now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it sounds, it's like, it's so hard, I feel like, but so helpful to, to understand that things like lifestyle and changing the way that you think can literally change excruciating pain. Like it's just crazy, right? Right. There's some important biochemistry and positive psychology as well. It's something I've been writing about on my website because 
thankfully now uh, I have access to the textbooks that Dr. Lemons is a physical therapist used and now I'm an expert on pain neuroscience myself so I see how all these things really work in together and I think the perfect formula well to what we know so far about managing and reversing chronic health conditions is lifestyle changes plus mindset Mm -hmm. plus pain neuroscience and then functional medicine to try and simultaneously get to the root of causes of everything that's causing the problems. Mm -hmm. So, so what did you do after the six week program? Where did you, you continued working with him, right? Yeah. I uh, took six weeks where I went home and just, he makes sure everybody's like, you got to go back into your life now. (laughs) Yeah. You can do this because at first, I didn't want to be there, and then I didn't want to leave there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Since it was the first place that I actually saw improvement, but it was slow, steady improvement. And I'm four years into my recovery now, and every three month period that I've looked at, I have gotten better. Just uh, generally, I actually worked at the Lemon Center on a volunteer basis for a few months just to get my foot in there or there of like, what's it like to see what it would be like to help people for a living and Mm -hmm. uh, health, which is what I do now. And I love that sort of thing. Yeah. uh, But I just kept exploring science too, because once my mind was freed up from some of the pain stuff, I could study a heck of a lot more and better. And I found some tremendously helpful things like intermittent fasting. I didn't realize how important that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to where I was on 16 hours off food and only eight hours of food each day because the irritable bowel syndrome, I didn't realize how much that was setting off the pain in my entire body. Mm-hmm. And I just needed a break from food going through my system. And I kept researching that subject further and saw uh, several people discussing the benefits of extended fasts. Mm. And that was one of the single biggest changes. I started doing that in 2018 in April, and I have now done 14 five-day water fasts where the only Mm. thing I have is water the whole time. And I started doing that because I thought, all right, the pause from the food might be beneficial. And then I started studying things about autophagy, which is the cellular process that your body goes through when it doesn't have food, it goes through Mm. and either uh, kills off the cells that are damaged that it finds or it repairs them. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, the extended fasts are the only way that's known currently to generate stem cells in the body. Oh. So uh, each time that I've done that, the, by the four, I usually didn't feel very good the first three days. But then the fourth day, the stem cell generation gets so strong that it would lower my pain significantly. And I actually had some completely pain-free time for the first time in 25 years whenever I was doing one. So that was really exciting to me. Yeah. And, I just kept, I did that monthly for quite a while. Now I only do it quarterly because Mm -hmm. I'm so much better. I just don't have the pain to deal with, but it just kept lowering my baseline pain along with some of those pain neuroscience principles, which we can talk about in a little bit, like teasing pain is one of them that was really important for me. But uh, yeah, the extended fasting was very important. And uh, I also started managing my pain with uh, some CBD oil, uh, a Mm. liquid one called Phyto. That one was excellent for me. Mm -hmm. And I also did some things with infrared sauna and the red light therapy in there that helped with some of the neuropathic damage and pain as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to go into that pain neuroscience piece that you were just talking about? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, it is probably my favorite topic in all of health because 
it's needs to be known and it's just not on in the current discussion of things. And it's, like I said, it answers that million dollar question. How do you get moving whenever everything hurts? Mm -hmm. So the most important thing to probably know about pain generally is that it's an alarm signal from the brain. Whenever mm -hmm. the brain determines that there's danger, mm -hmm. it's not always an indicator that there's tissue damage in the body and it can become a a pattern uh, that's in the brain that just starts firing based on certain circumstances. So uh, uh, just generally thinking about that, there, there's a physical, there's a mental, and there is an emotional component to every single pain experience mm -hmm. because we're an integrated mind-body being. And uh, so whenever you stub your toe, there's the mental re reaction of thinking, okay, what was that? And the emotion of, wow, that sucks. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And you can retune the nervous system's reaction to these things through thinking, moving, and breathing concepts. So there's a whole lot there. And I've actually written about 10,000 words on the subject on my website. And there's, oh, perfect. I've got one article up on that. And the next one should be up uh, within next, the next week. Just talking about here are the concepts and uh, here's what you can do with it to change things. So I'll briefly talk a little bit about a couple of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, first of all, with pain, obviously you need to address the physiological cause of it because there's only so much you can do to change the response if you're still standing on a nail and it's stuck on your foot. <laughs> right. It's not going to go away. So you got to try yeah. and find, pull those nails out through the lifestyle changes and through uh, functional medicine if necessary. Mm. But uh, once you've done that sort of thing, then you can start working around the margins of the, uh, with these things. And the key concepts are there's what's called pain neurotags or pain maps. And that's every part of the brain that gets involved in a pain experience. So from the memory to uh, temperature sensitivity to motion, all sorts of areas of the brain can get caught up in a pain experience because it used to be thought that there was pain, there was a pain center in the brain. And that's not true. What the body, what the brain does is it devotes any part of the brain associated with that experience to the pain. So uh, one of the examples that I've read about is that it's like a pain meeting gets mm. called in your brain whenever you get hurt. And yeah, that's yeah. why all of a sudden you can get problems with word finding, uh, with your memory, and all of a sudden think, I'm losing my mind here. What's going on? It's like, well, because your brain is spending neural attention on your pain instead, yeah. <laughs> and you're not at full capacity anymore. Right. So, uh, addressing every part of a pain neurotag that gets involved in an experience like where you were whenever an injury occurred, uh, if the, you can get certain smells and tastes even associated with that moment and all sorts of things or a certain specific movement can be even be tied to it. Hmm. So the critical way to try and deal with, for instance, I'll just talk about movement uh, with pain neuroscience is called... Uh, teasing pain. And mm. this was the big breakthrough for me with movement. It involves, all right, let's see, you have a baseline of pain uh, whenever you're in chronic pain. And there's this line that you can hit where you'll flare up. And a symptom flare up's basically the way that I think it's most properly defined is something that lasts for a few hours or maybe even days, sometimes a week where it's just increased by some stimulus that was in your uh, life at that point. Mm -hmm. So if you hit that flare up line, what happens with the nervous system is 
It then lowers the threshold for firing a nerve to send the signal to your brain to say, hey, I think something's wrong here. So every time you flare up, you get deconditioned on that. And then your baseline pain raises and it takes less to flare up. Mm. So what you have to do on the other side of that is to tease pain by getting doing more because I mean, when you're always in pain, you're likely going to have more pain with whatever you do. So you engage in an activity like for me walking, mm -hmm. that would cause me more pain. But as long as I didn't hit that flare up line, the brain sees that, okay, we didn't suffer some sort of life threatening experience here and we're not suffering any more tissue damage. So let's raise the threshold before pain gets reintroduced. And the same thing happens with your flare up line. And it's not a very rapid process in most cases. It was incremental for me. And I was still teasing pain on things like walking. It took about a year before that didn't hurt anymore, but it just oh, wow. kept on getting better. But I've pushed it all the way to the point now where I lift weights and I do high intensity interval training and I can manage to get through that even, even though it, it brings up a little bit of my shoulder nerve pain, I can still cool it right down if I go take an ice bath afterwards and do some deep breathing. Mm -hmm. Is it like crazy to you now to, to be able to do those things and just like where <laughs> you were, I'm sure it's just like, I feel like you, you've got to be very grateful, Absolutely, <laughs> more grateful there, than I am when I have to work out. <laughs> <laughs> there's not a moment where I not, I should say, yeah, there's moments where I don't, but every day I have at least one time where I am absolutely thankful to be out of that just complete hell that I lived in. It's really like I lived three different lifetimes at this point because there was the before period where it wasn't chronic and then the chronic nightmare period of almost 24 years. And now this where it's just I feel the best I felt since I was a boy. And I really it's hard for me to almost connect back with some of how I used to feel because it's just so surreal. It's like I really hurt that much. I was that limited because I mean, I've had doctors even tell me the best ones say like with weight training, you can try, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's going great. I mean, I haven't had a flare up from lifting in five months now. Yeah. That's so exciting. So you're, you're working with people now too. So you got into right. functional medicine coaching, right? Is that what mm -hmm. you do? Yeah. Uh, I got certified through Chris Cresser's ADAPT Academy in this last year to become a functional health coach. Mm. And I'm also a health consultant on the side. And I'll say a little bit about each of those. With my health coaching, almost everybody comes to me and wants me to tell them what to do. Yeah. <laughs> what did you do? It's like, well, for one, there's biochemical individuality for all of us. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm a man who's 40, who went through all sorts of strange things with his posture and just nerve pain off the charts. I'm at a certain place with my hormones, my nutrient status, what I did will not likely work for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I know enough about that subject to know that there are qualified practitioners that have spent the lots of time to go in and figure out how to treat those things. And I actually thought about attending the Institute for Functional Medicine and becoming a doctor, but I thought, ah, I'm this old, I don't want to go back to school. And one of the big things I learned with health coaching is that, well, why I went into health coaching is that I saw implementation of a protocol was just as hard as yeah. figuring out what the proper protocol is, because it's great to have a list of 20 things. You get all these things. All right, do this, but okay. <laughs> right. I hurt a lot. Yeah. 
and having someone there to like remind you or to support you or, you know, be there is, is very helpful for sure. Right. So what I do with people is I tap into their deepest motivations and try and figure out, it's like, all right, I know you want to feel better, but feel better to do what? Yeah. Now let's get back in touch with those sorts of things and start dreaming again, because uh, I know what it's like to be stuck in that place where you think there's no way to get any better, that it just mm-hmm. seems impossible. So I coach on that to try and get to people's motivation. And so we can make some plans and it's always the client's choice. What do they want to work on? What do they want to implement? Mm-hmm. So I help them make lifestyle changes and I help them implement pain neuroscience. And we do a lot of mindset work as well. And of course, uh, I work with practitioners too, to help their clients, uh, implement the functional protocols. Mm. So uh, it is such rewarding work. I absolutely love partnering with people and bettering themselves. And it's so nice to see even that because I've been through the gamut of things with health, where it's just, I was at the worst and then I had the intermediate period and now I have the healthy period. So I've come up with a really good system for making sure that goals are attainable for people because some people are like, Oh, I want, uh, I can just start a marathon or something. (laughs) It does work that fast. I wish it would. And I want you to get there, but uh, sometimes that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. So I have a really good knack for knowing what's realistic for somebody to try based on my experience. And we have very good successes in seeing just general mobility increases, happiness, uh, exercise, getting on the right diet, all sorts Mm. of things. Yeah. I think it's so important to work with someone who kind of knows what you're going through, or at least has been through something on their own. I feel like that's where I've, I've, um, gotten the most amount of compassion, even if it wasn't the exact same story, just like the, the practitioners that I've worked with, for example, I have Hashimoto's that that deal Mm -hmm. with that have dealt with thyroid issues themselves, or have dealt with hormone issues or things like that. There's just so much more compassion and it just, there's more, um, comfortability on like the patient or the, the coachy side to, to feel like, you know, what I'm going through, or you've been through something too. Absolutely. And I, a lot of my clients just come right out and tell me that, that the things like I trust you in a way that I don't trust anybody else, because it's like, even though you're in the medical world, you're not one of them. You have been through this to such a degree. And one of the things I tell people is that in my first appointment that I do for free, always with people, I do a free 60 minute coaching call just to Mm -hmm. test it out. And I say, my hand will never be on the doorknob, like a doctor's visit where it's okay. I got to go now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know we're never going to get into the depth of what's going on here. And the coaching relationship allows so much depth that it's, I suggest working for at least three months with a chronic health problem because it's just the lines of improvement on these things. We want it to be better yesterday and to be a vertical line to a hundred percent improvement. But the truth is it's not even like a steady line. It's up, down, <laughs> up, exactly. more down, up even more than maybe yeah. down, but it, it creeps along slowly. And I find that three months is a good period of time to see some kind of improvement. And sometimes it takes longer than that. Uh, I think a lot of the people that have come to me so far see that it's not going to be a one-stop cure-all. I wish there were a pill that you could take to get over all this stuff, but it takes a lot of effort, but it's certainly possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that as humans, it's really hard for us to remember, like, 
it took us a little bit to get where we're at and it's going to take us a little bit to get out. And there's going to be like, I know for me and my husband's dealt with chronic issues as well. Um, particularly for him, it's like, he feels like he, um, fixes one issue, but then all of a sudden this other issue that he couldn't pay attention to because this one was so loud. Um, comes up and and it can feel in your healing journey, like, oh my gosh, I'm right down at the bottom again. But really, mm-hmm. like you said, it's that ebb and flow that kind of comes with the waves of, of healing. It's just like consistent, but that's why having someone that's working with you for an elongated period of time, I've worked with a couple of coaches and quite honestly, um, I've made way more progress working mm. with someone that way. I still work with like a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine doctor right. to do like some of the testing and stuff that, that the coach couldn't pull, but, um, but I was getting much more help on the day to day and stuff like that from the coaching side. Yeah, that sounds great. And like I said, that's very much the experience that I have as well. I also tell my clients where it's like, this is a no judgment zone for whatever you come in. If you make it to the goal, great. If you don't make it to the goal, I understand it. I, people don't realize how many failures I had in trying (laughs) to get better. The bucket is full over there. It seems like, yeah. And it's just, sometimes you can have the best intentions. Like you can use, I think you can figure out about like 80% of your flare ups. And then just 20% of them, you don't really know. We don't have the accurate tests right now to know exactly what confluence of factors came up. And sometimes it's like you kind of bite the bullet where you're exercising like, all right, I increased 30 seconds. I'm being principled about this with teasing pain. I'm only increasing in very small measured increments. So I know that I'm not going too far, but it's still some days, as Dr. Lemon says, your data fluctuates. Any Mm. day could be a little bit different than the other one where all of a sudden maybe your pain seems like it's lower, but your stress level's higher. Maybe your depression's a little worse, or maybe you're a little more fatigued and Mm -hmm. then it's a little easier to get into a flare up. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways that you can get tripped up in this. And I think that's why I had to get into health coaching because Mm -hmm. I understand the full spectrum of this and what people go through. And I'm always there for them. And like some of what I do is just the moral support of, Hey, I've been there. I know this is really tough. And we talk about what's, what do you do when you're in that pit of despair where the pain's so high and you don't even think that there's a way through. Mm -hmm. uh, That's actually something I was writing on just now, uh, last week, thinking about you have to lay the mental groundwork for those scenarios almost before they start. Because when your pain's up, the brain's at a pain meeting. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be really hard to convince yourself that things can be better again. And Mm -hmm. if you can remember those wins that you're scoring, just whatever they are, no matter how small it matters. For me, it was an extra 50 steps on a day. It didn't Mm -hmm. seem like much, but it's like that was progress. And that was something that I could hold on to. And I make sure every day I still end with my three good things book. I write down at least Mm. three good things that happened every day. And it was pretty meager. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot better now. Yeah. That's actually, that kind of leads me into a question that I like to ask everyone. And that's like, what are some of the things that you do every day or on, you know, habitually that, that keep you feeling your best? Okay. Um, I still definitely just from the physical side, there's the intermittent fasting. It's part of my life all the time. I think that's an excellent practice. 
now I make sure I get at least, uh, I'm up to 11,400 steps a day. So I roughly get to 80,000 per week now. I need to make sure I have to er exercise somewhat strenuously. It's one of those things where pushing through, they say like, oh, it becomes a pain reliever. It didn't until this last year. And now it is so good for that sort of thing of keeping it all in the background where now my nerve pain is just this little tap. If yeah. I notice it, it's just like, I don't know if it will ever fully go away, but it's still getting better. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's some of the things I do. In addition to absolute must is deep breathing. Uh, mm. That's one of the first things Dr. Lemon's got me started on. And mm. he's got a system that we discuss in our book about how he taught me to, and all his clients to deep breathe throughout the entire day. It's to the point where I don't even really have to think about it that much. And it keeps me in such a parasympathetic state that I'm in the rest and digest mode where I can heal. So uh, I always make sure that I at least spend half an hour per day doing some deep breathing. And that is a great reset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love all of those. And then do you want to talk a little bit about your book with Dr. Lemons? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one other thing I should mention about sure. my practice though, with my work is that uh, in addition to the coaching, I also do health consulting. Oh yes. And yeah. that is I teach, I teach mm -hmm. about pain neuroscience. I teach about functional medicine and I teach about all the content that's in my book mm -hmm. uh, that's still in production right now because there are so many ideas there that, uh, and one of the interesting things about pain neuroscience is your pain can actually go down simply from knowledge because mm -hmm. it can uh, calm down your stress response, less of the inflammatory chemicals start firing. And sometimes people get relief <laughs> from the consulting appointment. And yeah. I just, uh, I find those appointments to be very useful and I tell anybody anything they want to know about what I use to get better. And I have such a list of referrals for practitioners. If they want to go see somebody, then I pick somebody else out of that list, out of that list and refer to there. Oh, cool. Cool. But, uh, as for the book, okay. Um, big subject because <laughs> health is huge. The more <laughs> I used to tell people this thing was going to be done in like three months and I'm three years in now. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple months over. Not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where the more I looked at it, the more I realized how integrated everything is. And I think it's one of the reasons why recoveries like mine are so rare mm. is that there is so much that goes into play with health and the book concentrates on those four major areas of, uh, Lifestyle changes is the big one. And then uh, teaching about pain neuroscience, I put that very much up front along with mindset because I really don't think anybody can get through a disability without learning how to cope with it. Like, mm -hmm. what do you do? How do you find values again? How do you find happiness whenever you've had everything taken from you? I mean, how do you, that, that takes a big adjustment to get through that morning period. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a discussion of functional medicine and what that sort of thing is. Mm -hmm. And I start out the book with my story, of course, to say, here's why I'm starting from. Then I go to mindset and then pain and then into the lifestyle and the functional medicine stuff. Mm -hmm. So as far as the lifestyle goes, it's uh, diet and supplementation. I put those two together. And uh, that's diet's a pretty broad topic because there's a right diet for you <laughs> in the moment where you're at. Like yeah. I needed autoimmune protocol at first. I don't need that anymore. I have very different needs now because I'm a very high performing exercise person now. Now yeah. I just do a basic paleo diet and I'm moderate carb versus I used to be very low carb. Things have changed a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And some people thrive on keto. I don't. <laughs> My yeah. genes, it doesn't work. I don't want Alzheimer's and dementia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've got the risk for that. And uh, there's so a lot I. there. <laughs> So do seems I, like unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, seems like that one's pretty uh, uh, prolific in chronic health problem circles. Yeah. And the supplementation needs to be based on your current lab status plus uh, your genetics. That's always key. And then stress management is important. And that's physical, chemical, and emotional. A lot of people just think of emotional stress when it comes to that, but it could be physical. You could have gotten some toxin from the environment around you. Yeah, there's so many things that just generally around stress management. And that's where we talk a lot about uh, Dr. Lemons's principles from his program that he teaches and exercise the always informed by pain neuroscience things, things like Qigong, Tai Chi, yoga. Mm -hmm. There are really so many things. Gentle walking is even so much better than people realize. I mean, I lost most of the hundred pounds just from doing very gentle exercises and being on the right diet. (laughs) Yeah. And then sleep and sunshine, I tie together because those are so critical and so difficult to get when you feel bad. It's Mm -hmm. just, I I had one of the, I'm only on a couple of medications now uh, when one of them, it's one twelfth of the original dosage is to help me get to sleep because I still have a little bit of nerve stuff in my head that makes it hard to lie on a pillow sometimes. But uh, sleep can be so hard to get. It needs a lot of good routine. And it needs sunshine. If you're not getting out and getting melato- your melatonin boost from being out in the sun, it's going to be really hard to get some sleep. And then there's a lot of benefits to the sun that don't get talked about, like uh, the cortisol awakening response, for instance. And as soon as you, if you've got an autoimmune condition, that's huge. Because if your cortisol is not kicking in in the morning, then your thymus doesn't do its job and it doesn't kill off the autoimmune cells in your body. So you can jumpstart that by if you just get out and get some 20 minutes of sun in the morning, you can get your cortisol awakening response back in line. So uh, that's a couple of the things that are important there. And then the other important things are I lump together environmental toxins and stealthy infections just because there's stuff that go under the radar and even kind of things I didn't really want to matter, but do <laughs> because I know I had a candida infection when I was in college. My nose would smell shut whenever I was around other people <laughs> that smoked cigarettes. So I know that was a deal. And I think that's been something that was going on for a while because I also had some strange histamine things mm. that uh, were problems for me. And just seeing that I had, that my genes show that have problems with heavy metal detox. So I shouldn't be rubbing aluminum on me in my deodorant. <laughs> it's just not right. a very good idea. <laughs> yeah, not great, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of things there as well. And then uh, the last area that I talk about in the book is uh, just around medication reduction, because mm-hmm. there's a reason why there are side effects. And I never really thought about it, but there's a whole lot of nutrient depletion occurring. And that's what causes some, some of these side effects. So it's amazing to me how that was a blocker that I didn't really realize if in 2010, I had just pulled back on some of the medications and had the pain neuroscience principles. I think I would have recovered then, mm. but oh, well, I figured it out now. And that's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, it's better that you got it at some point. Wish it would have been sooner, but yeah. <laughs> oh, and one thing I should mention about the book is in every chapter to try and make it 
more practical for people. I show concrete examples of how I implemented each thing for myself at each stage of recovery, just to give an idea of like, here's what I did whenever I could barely move. Then yeah. here's what I did whenever I was moderate. And here's what I could do whenever I was almost full health. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the final chapter is about, here's the questions to ask yourself now. How am I going to personalize this? Because I think that's what the direction medicine needs to go in. And what I'm going to be campaigning for for the rest of my life is to try and get a shift toward more individualized care to recognize that it's not... Uh, one size fits all on this stuff. The people yeah. are going to need very different approaches. The principles are the same, but the specifics are going to shift. Yeah. Yeah. Huge round of applause on that one for sure. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. I think so many of us do, but so when do you know when your book is going to be out or is it still kind of in the works? I'm still working on it. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that it'll be done by next year. Yeah. So, uh, well, during next year, let's refine that a little bit. So during 2022, it should be finished. Yeah. But it, so if people wanted to kind of get some of your content on your website or follow along with you in some way, how could they do that? Uh, I've got stuff on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, but I would recommend just going straight to my website because I make sure everything's there. And once again, that's balancehealthcoach.com. And it's not balanced, it's balanced because I think that's what I want the title of the book to be, because I think if you bring everything into balance, then mm-hmm. you have this chance where everything works out. So it's B-A-L-A-N-C-E healthcoach.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. And, the, and two, if people were interested in like the consult consulting or the coaching, they could go there as well. Right. That's where everything happens. And I have an email list there. I'm still working on getting that going, but, uh, I write updates where it's sneak peeks of what the book's about. So there's some of the content comes out there and uh, I've got, like I said, I've got some really good pain neuroscience articles that I'm happy with now that thoroughly researched (laughs) almost a hundred references in those two suckers and they're quite the read. I think there's some really good information for people there. Yeah. Super helpful information for, for people that, that want to learn more about that for sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, is there anything else that you'd like to tell the listeners of the podcast today? Just the biggest takeaway I would like people to have is that even when things can get very severe and -hmm. look completely hopeless, but if you apply the right health principles, at least some improvement is possible. And perhaps even depending on the level of damage, mine was pretty bad. I mean, I had a very bad looking bladder and such and nerve damage, sometimes even that can be reversed. And there's a lot of hope out there. So I just want to keep spreading the word and help help people realize that there may be a way forward for them. Yeah, that's like, that's 100% what I what I like to talk about here on the podcast is just that there is hope you can, you know, you can, even if something can't be reversed, there are ways that you can change your life, you can change your mindset, you can change right. something to, to work in a different way. And I think so many people that I've talked to who have dealt with chronic issues that are extremely severe, like yours, or just, you know, chronically like a struggle, um, if you can find a way to find something that you love or to push through or to find, you know, people to work with or things like that, that can get you through your life may not look like what you had imagined it would years ago, but it can still be wonderful. Like you probably didn't imagine this is what your life would look like 
10, 15 <laughs> years ago, right? But now no, it's just not amazing. at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My life is actually better than it's ever been. And I'm not one of those people that thinks that suffering teaches you much. I think it's more that it gives you a perspective that you can really learn to cherish what's good. Even if it's just a smidgen of good, you can see that, hey, that's what actually matters in life. All this pain and such, it's just this minus, it's a negative. But Mm -hmm. what I make in my life, whether it's just a thought or a gesture towards somebody or I write a book. That is something that drives life and that's what's really important. And Mm -hmm. that's the stuff that puts a smile on everybody's face. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm sure everyone's going to love this episode. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure.